just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born Good old boys. I'm Mark. Bog Beef. What's up, buddy? Oh, uh, we got it. We got, we got a special one tonight. Yeah. Hopefully, I sound smooth. We're doing research, working on the studios. I've, you know, Jeff Bezos made us affiliate on Twitch recently. <laughs> Take advantage of once again of his generous return policy. I just bought like all the audio equipment that could possibly be relevant, and I'll just start sending stuff back that I don't need. And then I can report Merrick and others of uh, what shit's good. What what do, you, what do you need? Sound good on man? I went back and listened to some of our first episodes. God, they sound I terrible. I remember putting up on putting them up on YouTube. It's like, oh man, you listen to some early ones, and we sound like we're in a like, airport bathroom. You know, with bands, it's always the opposite. The, the first couple of albums where it's, it's uh, a little dicey, or you know, they record it in, in, in the club or whatever. Like, oh, that's the good shit. That's before, yeah. That's before. Uh, that's before the the guitarist third rehab thing, where he, you know, uh, got into weird religion and stuff. It doesn't work on a thirty dollars headset. Not yeah. the same thing at all. But we're talking about Caesar tonight. Yeah, by request, we all uh, Caesar is just a constant topic. We, we, this would be a good place to start out. I, I don't know where I came across Caesar, but it was. Uh, I mean, of course, the Caesars everywhere. Everyone knows. Caesar somewhat it used to be more so back when uh, these what was it the sword and sandals movies yeah hell yeah in the 50s yeah Caesar's one of these characters that everyone knows like you can tell well I mean Caesar's everywhere Caesar's in the Bible and Caesar is Caesar is such a name that you know now like half of the czar comes from Caesar uh, <laughs> Caesar just became synonymous with authority and maybe 10-15 years ago I get into this story and it's really the, the stories uh, you must remember this so and I just start I'm sitting I'm just ranting about this constantly and I remember uh, one day I'm just attacking my friends all these Caesar monologues i'm like oh god can you believe this do you believe that that son of a bitch cicero i can't believe that guy i remember i'm doing this and then one day i met the one day i was talking to you and i said you know what i was like i've been i've been just enthralled with this i remember the the, the thing that set me off anyone who like writes books and i'm talking like going back centuries and shit they all hate caesar and they all consider him the bad guy don't jump ahead to like politics and like well was he a populist the right wing no, no no just like he's the bad guy in the story when you listen to to anyone and i remember i I was talking to you one day i was like how are these people reading the same book how are these people interpreting this as he's the bad guy and sister is the good guy i remember you were like oh yeah 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 this is a thing and you pointed me to the parenti book michael parenti a communist guy uh, the assassination of julius caesar it's a really good book in my opinion you know he goes a little too far with it because you know he he, is you know he's communist he's gonna gonna shove that shit in everywhere but like as far as is uh uh, popular books about Caesar. It's one. It's it's, it's one of the best. I, I I love it. I you know I I'll, I'll go back and reread it every couple of years. Yes, I've I've thought about this afterwards. People are like why Caesar? Like why? Like it's like any type of situation. I always think like well, what would Caesar do? The real reason that that really hooked me was that this is this is someone from two thousand years ago, and I completely understand it. When they make this, if you go forward two hundred years or back two hundred years up until even almost especially the the nineteenth century, who are these people? These people are just crazy. <laughs> um, they they just they sound 
sound like Lord of the Rings characters if you read anything from people that. But then you go to to two thousand years ago, Julius Caesar, and, and I'm like, I understand why he makes these decisions. This is just a human being. I think part of that is is that he, you know, being the most he's he's the most aside from if you're not counting like Jesus Christ and Muhammad, he's the most famous person in in history. Like uh, I think I think that. I think he's like the like the third most famous person. If you if you ask if you ask somebody in fucking Zimbabwe, they know who Julius Caesar is. Mm-hmm. And so there's so been you know there's been billions of translations of his commentaries that came down, you know all kind of letters, works about him. Uh, people spend burn a lot of calories talking about the things he did and why he did them, and it kind of fleshed fleshes him out in a way that you don't necessarily get for other people. And, and also, he's just, you know, he, he's one of the most popular people in history for a reason. He's, he was, a, you know, a great man, capital G, capital M. Yes. This episode's going to be an introduction to Caesar. You may notice we we talk about him constantly. Well, I mean, this is what I do. I'm always, like, any situation that happens that's remotely like anything Caesar did, I'm like, hmm, well, and I'll bring it up. <laughs> WWCD. What would Caesar do? Exactly. When we get to the sources section, we'll talk about it. So one of the best sources is Plutarch. I think Plutarch's a great example of this in terms of this attitude still sort of exists today. Plutarch writes this book called Lives. And the point of Lives is basically, he's, these are great men, and we're going to take a look at them, and you're going you're gonna to get something from this. You're going to be inspired to do to be great yourself or whatnot. But these are not necessarily perfect men or anything like that. When he's telling the story of Caesar, he makes it un- unequivocally clear that Caesar is a great man by, like, any standard. But at the same time, they think he's a bad guy. The part that really illustrates it is there's Plutarch's a, a great writer that quarter through the story when Caesar on his rise up. Remember, so, like, you showed up to listen to this Plutarch uh, lecture because you're here here to learn about a great man. And, like, a quarter through it, Plutarch says, Ah, damn it. You know what, no, at this point in the story, Cicero could have killed that son of a bitch. And I, it's, <laughs> he really fucked up by not doing it. But uh, anyways, back to great man Caesar. You, you know, you're talking about, like, well, attacks on a 2,000-year-old dead guy. So it's not the same thing, but there's... It is the same thing because the reason that, they, that Plutarch's mad at him and every every uh, as Parenti puts it, gentleman historian has been mad at him for the last two thousand years. Is something that you know, is is relevant today in politics. I guess we won't get too far ahead of it right now, but you know what I'm the D word. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, demagoguery. Yeah, which is it, it, that they he's openly accused of being a demagogue constantly, which is funny because like uh, think about what that accusation is for a political leader. I mean, the accusation is is basically that you that, you, that people like you too much. You are too good at you're too good at getting regular people on your side. To me, he's not even a classic demagogue. You know, for this, this is the mo- my favorite like political passage writing, whatever ever. Probably said it on this podcast before. Anyways, this is what separates him, and take this into consideration because we we have this image in our mind of what the revolutionary, the man of the people is and what that looks like like what is a really effective person to to uh, help out the little guy now listen to this. this this is this guy caesar loudly protested how much it was against his will to be driven to seek support from the people and how the senate's insulting conduct left no other route possible for him than to devote himself henceforth to the popular cause and interest 
<laughs> that's not Jesus. That's not Bernie. That's not Lenin. That's something. So you like, wait a minute. He was forced. And remember, he's saying this. He's like, you son of a bitches are, are making me stick up for the little people. Fine. Yeah, but this yeah, wasn't my, my, my first choice. You have to. We talked about this a little bit, uh, especially when we were on Orange podcast. Uh, not was his uh, sorry his YouTube channel. You have to put it in the context of of the of the late Roman Republic. You know, there were a lot of these popular reformers, co popularis over the years and before Caesar. You know who, who had you know they wanted to do land reforms and and stuff like that. You know just fairly modest reforms in the scheme of things, but. You know, the, the the solution had been up until Caesar to just fucking murder them. Like, you would just get a gang of guys and, like, they, these some of these populars were like senators, right? Like the Gracchi brothers. They were, you know, members of the Senate. And uh, they were, or tribunes, and they were just fucking, they used to grab their mob of people and just murder them because they were starting to, you know, threaten you politically. So when, when you, when Caesar says that, uh, it's, it's, Kind of partially a threat, partially a way of explaining why he's about to do what he's going to do. And you're right; it doesn't fit with the like the you you, can't, you have to get out of the mass politics frame that we are like we're now, which is that everyone scrambles to claim the mantle of the plebs. Right? You have the mandate of heaven because the people on your on your side. You know, ancient politics exactly the opposite. That being the champion of the people was extremely dangerous. It wasn't something you would you would you would you know just casually declare yourself because up until Caesar, every one of them has ended up getting God. Yes, I would say okay. So and there, we'll we'll definitely get into them. And I think the other guys sort of um. So there's this big issue. The big issue that sort of hangs over everything, that fuel for all this, is that Rome has this kind of yeoman model. Every man a kulak king. If you're a young man, you have to go fight in the army. And you're going to go conquer the world. And then when your service is done, you're going to get a little land and you're going to be a little yeoman farmer guy. It's important to note that that, that what you're describing, was very, very new at the time of Caesar. Yeah, that, it was that, a great deal. That came. That had come through uh, with Marius, who was uh, uh, Caesar. He was. He. I think he was. He was alive when Caesar was a young man because Caesar married his his niece, right? Yeah. So, so uh, like that wasn't that wasn't like an ancient Roman tradition. It was a relatively new thing. It was like a reform they had to push through because they had an empire and they didn't have enough soldiers to to deal with it ancient war was kind of something that the nobles and not like just necessarily the higher aristocracy but like you know, the minor nobles that was kind of their deal it was, it was a part of the package like you had you had a stake in society because you were a noble you were a landowner and so you were expected to fight the problem is when you have an empire that that model doesn't work anymore you need you need more boots you need more uh people on the ground so marius opened up the army to the Open it up more to the plebs, but the the downside of that is you have to give them something. And one of the things that they offered was you know land that they confiscated from other people. And so this wasn't an ancient Roman tradition. This is something fairly new in and like you know, a generation or two 
old by the time Caesar comes on the scene. It's sort of developed with the Empire. Yeah. These generals were like figuring it out. If we take Roman citizens and we make legions out of them, the, the legions, you, they weren't slaves. They were general, They were people like, hey, we're going to promise them this stuff. You ever hear about great upsets in war? You may notice all of them are defensive. It's really difficult to go attack places and you're never going to like put someone into slavery, go attack places and hold them with slaves and shit. They'll just like run away and stuff. You need real buy-in how do you get real buy-in you say we'll make we'll you'll bump you up a socioeconomic class you're going to have a little farm for your family this is sort of developing along the way i understand it to me marius and the gracchi marius especially marius is basically like a, a war autist <laughs> yes <laughs> This legion model, the way the legion fights and, and the stuff that you think of classically, this is all like perfected by Marius, who's total nerd of how can I make war machine competition at times. Okay, everybody go grab a stick and defend a village. <laughs> Marius is like, this is not going to work unless we give them some of the, the land they conquer. And it's not really that big of an ask. Well, well... Th- Okay, it is a big ask in the sense that, you know, these lands that are conquered by Rome become public lands, which the, they rent out to people. And a lot of the people who rent, who rent, who quote unquote rent them are the aristocracy, who essentially just take public land for their own profit. So, you know, when Marius says, I'm going to hand this stuff over, you know, let's, let's hand some land over to our legions. Uh, he's essentially saying, let's take it out, take it out of the pocket of the aristocracy. They stole it, but you know, whatever. That they they want that shit. So it, it it wasn't a big ask for Rome, but it was a big ask for the Senate and the uh, Optimates. So Marius is on the end where he's got to go get the land. He's the general, and he's got to go get it. And the thing is, he can't go get it unless we promise these guys stuff. And then the guys back at Rome, yeah, we like we like you guys conquering the world, but we want don't want you giving other people stuff. They, you know, the, they're in Rome all the time, and to them, see, there's two different relationships going on. There's a Roman guy, a Roman citizen, and, and they weren't as hierarchical as other places. So Rome has citizenship. Rome has nobody can be a king. Rome has these kinds of things. Rome has you can move up in the hierarchy. Guys like Cicero did. Very simple. So they want the spoils, but they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to pay. Part of that is that they don't want when you have this classes and when you give when you have little kulaks when you have people like they give them some property and stuff. They could think that they're somebody like you. Yeah, and we're you know we're we're speaking broadly here because you know the the, the, the army before Marius did you know it. it there were still plebs in the army, obviously, and, but you know, that's a, but you're making a great point. I remember Carlin. Carlin talked did a, did a huge series on Rome uh, podcasts on Rome. Dan Carlin, they're really good. At the, at the very beginning of it, he kind of he describes like Rome as kind of like weaponized ambition. It's like, what if you took a society and you made just a, a raw ambition like one of the highest virtues? And what would happen is what we what we saw. You have a lot of conf, you have a lot of political conflict over the years. However, you would you would make a machine that just produces great men like crazy. Yeah, and what uh, you know, there's- you can't understand Caesar if you don't understand that about Rome. That's this is one of the reasons why it's kind of a joke that like oh, young men, not just young men, but men love like Rome, Roman history and stuff. This is why, because like this is the ultimate cosplay thing. Like you, you, you imagine yourself put in this in this place where, you know, the uh, incredible meritocracy that that not that 
runs, you know, the entire known world, basically. And, uh, you know, throughout Roman history, you had these figures who were like Caesar. None of them quite measured up to him. But he, he wasn't completely unique. Like, the, the, you know, Marcus, you had guys like Marcus Aurelius who still, people still quote his philosophy. Mm-hmm. The, I don't want to bring up the word materialism, but what I, I would say you know, an easier way for us modern materialists to understand, and we do understand, everyone mm-hmm. understands, it, and there's there's great, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, sort of modern, totally accepted sociology on the subject of something like status. They'll say status. They'll say, well, people do these things for status. I, I don't know if I have to defend the concept of status. Whatever you think of people, any sort of billionaire, like George Soros, like, is George Soros, is he still doing things for money? It's not really, that's not really how humans. Yeah, well, that this is something Parenti gets wrong in his book, too. At one point, he's like, you know, people don't do things, don't, do, don't want power for power's sake. They want power so they can accumulate wealth, which, like, partially that's true, but that's not, that's not true. And, and, and you, it, it, this is not a minor issue, especially when you're thinking about Romans, because like you, 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 you gave it away earlier when you said materialist, like we, uh, we materialists. Uh, yeah, Romans are hard to understand if you come at it from a pure materialist standpoint, because like status wasn't just like a a thing. Like, oh, well, I'm famous and uh, people will respect me and people will I'll get money and stuff. Because that's that doesn't cover it when it comes to Romans. Like Romans, you have to understand had a room in their house. Covered with death masks of their ancestors, and they like uh, worshipped their ancestors essentially. So this was like this was not just a thing. Like how what material benefit am I going to get out of becoming you know Julius Caesar becoming the dictator of Rome? No, this is like also like a spiritual thing. It was everything. It was your your you know your 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 whole family's fucking watching you from uh, from the top of Olympus, and the things that you do are going to live on forever. And not, and not just in the, in the sense like that, like, oh, well, there's some guys with the podcast talking about me right now. But like in a, ve- like a very like holistic way. And I think people really need to, you have to get yourself into that mindset to understand what motivates someone like Julius Caesar. What was Caesar saying? Caesar's saying, I understand what I am. I don't come, I don't come from the lower class. See, this status thing is different when you're in the lower classes. And that's totally understand. It's a, it's like a Maslow path, uh, a pyramid thing. If you got 300 bucks in your account, you don't care what, your about your status. It's nothing against you or anything. It's just you're not, as we say, you're not dealt into the game at that point, right? This is kind of a, a class thing. You know, if your parents come from major wealth, just getting direct cash is not really the issue. You the status becomes. I want to go to a great school. I want to do great things. These are saying like, look, I'm come from like the nobility basically. They don't have nobility. Come from that. I'm that guy. I sh- I'm one in that game. These guys have sort of dicked me out of that game, so I have to take up my non-class interests. I'm still still Caesar. I'm still a rich guy. I'm not just like you, the, the little guy. Well, here's here's the easy way to think of how different he thought compared to like elites today. Caesar spent incredible sums of money to to gain power. So if if, oh, if, yeah. we're, to, if we're to believe that you know that power is means to wealth, well, he's doing it the wrong way. He's burning through wealth. Not only his wealth, but the wealth of Gaul, you know, the wealth, eventually the wealth of the Roman state itself to accrue power. So, you know, so he never got the memo that this is all a, a bunch of bullshit that you do to get rich. And, and you know, that, that separated him 
from some of his rivals. Like, uh, you know, that was a big that was a big problem for them when they were fighting him. Is some of these rich assholes didn't want to shell out the money to actually raise legions to fight him. Yeah, you know the fucking slum lords and despicable people that he. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Upgrade my equipment for. I, I want. I don't know what came over. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to upgrade my brain here. So I, I went and watched. I went and watched a bunch of videos on like how to give a talk and stuff on YouTube. There's one from MIT and things he said. What you really should do maybe maybe feel way better. He's you should just cycle around your subject. Don't don't go from A to C. Just sort of go around and around and around. And I was like, oh great, that's because that's what we do. <laughs> that's all we know how to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, every 15 minutes, we we come back and sort of push the cart a little more. But I was like, oh, good. Back on the cart. I already mentioned, this is 2,000 years ago. Caesar's a guy that lives in modern-day Italy, in Rome. Well, these guys moved around a lot. So you might find Caesar in, in as far as the United Kingdom. You might find him in the Middle East. They're going to spend winter in Rome. Well, to under, like, just understand, Caesar, you kind of do have to start from the beginning. And we already talked about Marius. He was a reformer. Uh He's he's lumped in with the popularities. I'm not so sure about that. He, he his rule his rule wasn't great. He he uh, imagine imagine uh, Marius is a guy who kind of got some of the the popular reforms done, and then he died, and then immediately this big fucking like the the big bad reactionary guy Sulla came along and just undid everything that was that Marius did. Uh, huge, huge massacres, like prescriptions, which, which in which in Rome was like the 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 bad part about being prescribed in Rome wasn't that you would be killed, which is bad enough, but it was that your property would be taken away from your family. Right, you would lose everything. You would be you, you would your family would be kicked out of the city, sent off penniless. Uh, people would be rewarded for hunting you down and killing you. So, so uh, Sulla came. So Sulla came along and wiped and pretty much wiped out all the reformers. Instituted a like like a draconian dictatorship. Let's let's ease into it. Let's let's, let's ease into it. Let's say, let's say so. When we're talking to people who they may not know anything about Caesar, and so Caesar's coming around at a time of intense political unrest. Yeah. Uh, prescriptions is the most important part of it. You could do, we, Caesar, when he's young, he's watching prescriptions happen. For whatever reason, prescriptions, this is something that doesn't happen a lot in history. Like you were saying, so what, what would happen to you if you, how, how do you find out if you're prescribed? <laughs> well, they, they would post it in the forum, but you would find out because someone would fucking kill you. That's, that's how you find out. Yeah, the prescription is your death, and so this is something that's going. Uh, by the way, that might, that might influence uh, his how much how strongly he valued cash. Uh, so when when he's a young man, he's in this country, Rome. So it's sort of like realizing its power. Pro, any sort of modern Western political concept is sort of like understanding that it did it that it exists now. And there's this thing called prescriptions, and that that sort of like defines. The, the unrest is that you might wake up this morning and they post a list of the people who are going to die tomorrow and um, their stuff goes to the people in charge. Yeah. And, and how and it was very decentralized too. they would post your name and say, hey, look, this person's now an enemy of the state. Uh, if you if you go hunt this person down and kill them, you'll get a cash bounty for it. And obviously we're taking their stuff. Their families are going to get kicked out. And this is <laughs> we're talking you know, 50 BC, 50, 60 BC, uh, if, if your family got lost all their land and had to go be refugees in another place, 
That's really bad times. Yeah. Caesar is coming along at this crescendo of Roman power realizing itself. And if you go back to our gun episode, you can sort of understand what we mean by that. Is that Rome figures out this technology. You can take ordinary people and put them through something like modern day boot camp, which comes from, and they realize like it, it just beats everything. You have a method, you have a technique of producing a military unit that will beat anything. This conflict that he sort of grows up in is, so Rome gets, imagine a space aliens dropped off the super weapon that, that could just destroy everything. Okay, but you know, when you call it like a technology, it kind of is, but it's also, it's not something that you can just reverse engineer. You can't, like the, like the, 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 like a king of Gaul can't just say, hey, you know what they're doing? I'm going to do that. So it's not, you know, but we're we're getting, no, we're getting into the weeds here, but it's like, there's something essential about it too, but I I don't want to get too far into the weeds in that, but. Here's the way to think about it. Uh, you're in a poor trailer park family. You just win the lottery. And you have like 15 people in your family. And immediately you start fighting over over, stu- over the money. So that's, that's sort of kind of what's happening. So Rome is like super successful. At the same time, everyone's killing each other. That, that, that's sort of the, the, the point here. Right. And he comes along the time when Rome is being ruled by one man, Sulla, is a, who is a dictator in every sense of the word. Uh, he's He's been killing off his enemies at an incredible pace. The most... Like in the most violent upheaval in Ro- in you know, civil upheaval in Roman history up until that point, so so the, everybody was terrified of Sulla. You need to understand that because he had Sulla is another figure who we won't get, we won't, we can't have time to go into him. But like uh, he was this great military hero, absolutely ruthless politically. He he was a sharp guy. He wasn't like a ten pot dictator, right? He he he's actually good at what he did. So that was, he was even more dangerous. And Caesar was married into the family of his arch nemesis and demanded that Caesar divorce this woman he was married to, who was the niece of Marius. And Caesar said, no, I won't do it. And we're, Caesar at this time is what, 20? Something like that? Yeah. He's a very young guy. And so and so says, okay, I'm just going to fucking kill you. Sola wanted to prescribe and was talked out of it. Right. From what I understand, he was kind of distracted out of it. And so Caesar's still a young guy, and Caesar made himself uh, less visible. Yeah, he fucking booked it out of the Yeah. <laughs> out of Rome. Caesar, when we first meet him, he's a very minor character. But uh, he is he is sort of connected. It would be like if if Joe Biden became like uh, you know super Stalin, had everybody in previous regime uh, sent to Guantanamo. And but he's he's so minor that Caesar figures if I get out of sight, I'll be out of mind, and this will be fine. Mm, well, if, if I don't know if you're going by the story, you know if it's true, right? Because who knows? But Sola got talked out of it and said, you know, hey, you guys are talking me out of this. You don't, you're fucking up because if you think Marius was bad, this guy who you, who you want me to, to pardon is like 10 Mariuses. Yeah. I don't believe that yet. There's too many people. There's too many people that uh, he's too like. There's too much jockeying for power. It would have been so. I, I think people did understand that he was a young up and comer. That he had a lot of natural talent. But the fact is that there's just there's just a, a, a calorie expenditure of getting rid of people. And you people worry about who's dangerous now. And at this point, he's just a kid. If you ask the resistance boomer mom, like is is Baron Trump an issue? 
<laughs> well, are you afraid that he could reignite uh, the Trump the Trump thing? They'd be like, yeah. Could they could they do something to him? Uh, they probably could, but like it's right. They're worried about Holly right now. So so we're doing, we're Caesar still young guy. Let's move on to the, to the next Caesar story, which is like one of the best stories ever. It's a, he's like he's twenty five, right? So he's going to he's going to deliver. I think he's delivering a eulogy, right? Mm, he gets captured like by pirates. Yeah, he gets captured by in the, in the Adriatic. He he gets captured by pirates on his way to Rhodes, and the this is a, it's an amazing story. He's twenty five years old. He's captured by pirates, and the pirates say. We're going to ransom you. We're going to, and uh, I forget how much money they said they wanted. Caesar goes like, well, it's been to say it's like it's like twenty talents or whatever. Caesar goes twenty. I'm worth at least I'm worth at least fifty. What are you doing? And and the, the the pirates love him. He's hilarious because like the whole time that he's he's their captive and he's telling them like you know hey once I get out of here I'm going to come back and kill all of you guys. And you know you need to be, you need to raise my ransom and all this stuff. They they get they get a real kick out of Caesar, right? It's this plucky little guy who's talking shit to them while like while he's hogtied in the back of the trireme. He was he was writing uh he was testing out speeches and stuff and he would he would give the speech to them while he's, you know, handcuffed there and he'd make them evaluate his speech. They would exercise in the mornings <laughs> and he he would go jogging with them and and, and this this was uh, kind of bizarre. They're like, "Well, what what are you doing?" Yeah, and the punchline of the story is, is that they that they get the ransom, like they get the ransom from like cities on the coast and uh, they let Caesar go. He comes back and immediately organizes uh, a, a, a detachment of, of, of uh, sailors to go hunt the pirates down. He catches them, kid, uh, kills them just like he told, like he's, he's been hanging out with these guys, you know, just having a great time. Uh, comes back immediately, fucking kills them all, takes back his ransom and pockets it. That's the kind of, that's the kind of person that Caesar was. Yeah, even the ancient stuff. That's where we were like, oh, this is where this guy becomes notable. If you wanted to be a big shot, what and what a, what a big shot looked like at that time was like a rep. So you would be a lawyer, a general, an orator. He's doing this kind of thing. He's working on um uh, his lawyer skills. Remember what he uh, when he talked about? It, he was like, yeah, I represented uh, the Greeks in a case and and so forth. Other characters that we will return to, but you should know, are Sulla and Marius are the sort of the pre-Caesarian figures. They're not only like uh, their images are important even when he's alive, almost literally, and they create the Caesar's unique management philosophy. Sort of the the extreme conditions. He's, he's like he's like someone like born in a POW camp or something. That sort of like that defines their their decisions. Uh, there's Pompey and Crassus. These are the closest thing to being rivals to him. Cicero's well, around. So Pompey and Crassus were the two big when when Caesar was a young man. These were the two biggest Pompey especially. Pompey was a huge figure in Rome. He kind of before Caesar, he was like the darling of the people. And uh, Pompey and Crassus uh, kind of take uh, as Caesar as Caesar grows into the grows into the man he's going to become. Gets on the political scene. He he kind of enters into a partnership with Pompey and Crassus. He's the by far the junior partner because Pom, Pompey uh, Pompey has been the big shot in Rome for decades. Crassus helped put down the Spartacus Rebellion, uh, but they they saw something in Caesar that they they saw potential in him. But it's it's also important to understand that he he kind of 
was a way for them to play off each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was kind of a pawn, and in, in, in their 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 struggle wasn't openly wasn't like open open warfare, but they they it's, it's always a political it was always a rivalry. They who, who who can be the biggest man in Rome, and they brought Caesar in, into the partnership, and uh, they basically uh, ruled Rome as the triumvirate. Pompey is like the closest thing to Caesar in terms of like doing doing these doing general lawyer this these sort of basic like I'm an I'm a big shot guy. Crassus, He's the greatest war hero in Roman history up until Caesar. Yeah, uh, Crassus is basically uh, uh, this might be a hot take. Crassus is like a proto central bank. Um, <laughs> Yeah. When the when the prescriptions happen, there's a story that you're going to hear about a lot. This is sort of like uh, we're going to let you in on the good old boys version of history. The story of Crass is that you're going to hear every time. It's always in those, um, you know, uh, uh, exciting history in 15 minutes stories. Uh, the story they tell you about Crass is in these things. You could tell this is by people who learned history when they were 19 and they didn't understand how the world worked. So uh, the story they tell you about that is that Crassus got his money with this fire brigade. <laughs> I'm not going to bore you with the story of that, but uh, okay, there's this fire brigade thing, and Crassus got some money from that. Okay, he did. Uh, there's also this other way that Crassus was getting his money. Crassus was getting the money from the prescriptions. Sulla would prescribe to people, and Crassus got the money. And so, uh, uh, whenever there'd be someone with a lot of money, Sulla would write his name down on a board, and they would kill him. And Crassus got all the money. Uh, what do you think contributed to 99 percent of Crassus's funds? Okay, it'll be that. Now it's not. Now he's not, but he's not. He's different because he's not just a rich guy. Crassus literally becomes like the central bank for Rome. Sulla just funnels like all the money to him, and Crassus does this to basically start being a banker for the rich people. Crassus is the banker. Pompey is like very direct competition for Caesar doing Caesary things. Yeah, Crassus was the richest man in the world, and like <laughs> the Jeff Bezos of of the. Late Roman Republic. Yeah, but, but yeah, but Jeff Bezos, he he's like literally like the bank for the state and shit too. Uh, he's yeah. got all the money. Yeah, um, so so sorry, we have we're we're kind of in the middle, middle years like of Caesar's life, and he's teamed up with these guys, and he's kind of get, he's getting caught blocked politically by uh, by a couple different people. Uh, the big one we want to talk about is fucking Cicero. Yeah. The most despicable little worm in Roman history. Yeah. Cic- Cicero is, is, is like just the villain of the story. It, it, like, I don't want to lay, I don't want to lay out exactly like a, a timeline of th- this happened, this, no, but this, no, no. this, we're, we're going to be talking about Caesar to you a lot. And we're sort of, uh, the way, Rome, Rome is 2,000 years ago, and you have to. And there's, I, I can't just transmit these events to you directly. W- what we can do is sort of slowly bring in the situation and slowly, because uh, it, it, speaking for myself, like it, if I just read the stories by themselves, like it doesn't really hit until like later on as I'm building this up and I start, I start thinking, well, well, how did they get water? Uh, how did the, the legions do this? And uh, how did you do that? And you start. 
you start having this picture painted and then, then things really come to life. You're not going to walk away from this like, oh, well, Caesar did this, this, and this. Slowly bring in the picture. We're slowly start introducing things so we can paint this picture of what, of this story. Sorry, you, you brought up Cicero. Cicero's great because Caesar's the good guy. Cicero's the bad guy. He's the ultimate. He's the fucking. You you know Caesar. You've know Cicero. You've seen you've seen Cicero in modern day. He's the ultimate little ass kissing striver worm. He was a he was an equestrian who got jumped up, and he, you know he did all the thing. He everything about him is despicable. He's a slum lord. Uh, he's extremely dishonest. Like he, he he'll. He'll kiss your ass to your face and then backstab you immediately. Uh, when when he has power over people, he's ruthless and cruel. Uh, when he's out of power, he he whines and begs like a little pussy. He's just the the the, the imagine the the fucking opposite of the essence of Caesar, and that is Cicero. You know, uh, uh, Curtis Yarvin's last. He's he's sort of beefing with uh, with a guy right now. And one of the things that he, that he uh, he's beefing with like a guy who's like a centrist lib right now. And one of the things Curtis Yarvin accused him of that, that people thought was, was so ridiculous is Yarvin was like, "Oh, you're Yarvin said what you're really good at doing is sniffing out who's going to be in charge because you're going to be their fucking lapdog no matter what." And uh, that doesn't make sense. Like, you, you, like, you, like the idea that someone would be like that. Like, what do you mean? Like, I mean, people would just be like a Nazi if the Nazis are in charge, or a Lib if the Libs are in charge. Yes, that, that doesn't. That is. How can you picture that? Well, you'll picture that with Cicero. That's Cicero. Cicero is betting. Cicero uh, is on the winning side. Uh, whatever, whatever one that is, he's gonna he's gonna join it. He's he's beloved by. He's beloved in history because a lot of his stuff survived, and he was a good writer. But it's funny because so much of his stuff survived that you'll find letters where Cicero is right, like saying one thing to one person and another to another. And he'd be bragging about what a little, like a little fucking snake he's been. You know, uh, the, the the stuff that he when when you see the volume of his work, like uh, it really paints a picture of a despicable little man. But he's he's still beloved by historians because, for one thing, a lot of them probably see something they like in Cicero, right? You know, a lot of these a lot of these historians are people who are in the same boat as him. Yeah, well, the, 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 he 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 has a he has a he has a real talent. From what I understand. That, uh, you know, even today, like, it, it, so, it, uh, th- this is, I don't want to get too deep, but so even today, like at Harvard, like they have a competition for like who is the best at speaking Latin and writing in Latin. And Latin's really complicated. It has all these like conjugations and shit like that. And if I understand, even up to this day, uh, he, Cicero has total mastery over Latin in a way that, that that's very unique. That, 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 like he's, he's the gold standard for like, uh, like really high end, complicated. Yes, Latin. that's that. That's they a good worship the written word. But and this was true in his time too. That he was like a a very high, uh, high minded orator. And uh, contrasting to Caesar, who was also an amazing orator, even his enemies had to admit that. But he spoke in a way that was that the the plebs appreciated because it was more. Uh, I say more. I think that the, the, the Caesar style was is more recognizable today. Kind of going back to what you said at the very beginning of this, like he he speaks in a way that's that's uh, 
It's aimed at the rabble, right? He, he It's ultra-masculine. It's stripped <laughs> down. See, yeah. uh, when you start taking Latin classes, you start out with Caesar. Because Caesar says who, what, when, where, why. It, it, it's the most like masculine writing style you could possibly find. You should uh, you should read his commentaries like a uh, the Rex Warner translation of his commentaries. They're excellent. Uh, Bog beef. I, I, I'd read the commentaries before, but I never read the Rex Warner translation. But and Bog beef uh, demanded that I go out and get it, and you should because it's 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 incredible. I I, I read it so much I bro- I broke the book the the Rex Warner paperback I, in half. I had memorized. I had I had like half of it memorized at one point. <laughs> Uh, uh, whenever people talk about what they, what you want to read, we'll get into that later. Um, uh, if you read the stuff that I give you, um, you'll, you'll love it. Uh, our, our friend Jeff, he, uh, uh, we recommended that to him and, um, (laughs) he's been reading it. Um, he, he loves it now. His nephew, he's been reading it too, like, uh, uh, he wants to be Caesar now. Um, <laughs> You've seen a picture of our friend Jeff, but, you know, I, you can you see a little bit there. Yeah. I see a little bit of, a bit, a little bit of Julius in him. So, so yeah, so, okay, we're, you know about Cicero. You know vaguely about Pompey and Crassus. You're going to learn about Cicero a lot. Cicero is around, like, before and after Caesar. Cicero is the bad guy. And the, the thing that you need to – so we're going to talk about Cicero a lot in the future, that, that let you um, – Paint your own picture of Cicero. Uh, so he's like a worthy rival. He's like a very important character in the story. He's never become sort of like the direct antagonist of, of Caesar, but uh, he's sort of the most important figure to like the other most important figure today at the time. But what I want you to put a pin in is um, take a very close observation of Cicero and take a close observation of what people today uh, think about Cicero. Who who are they? What kind of political ideas do they have? Um, and through the time, and just whenever someone, whenever you see someone from the academy or something, they're speaking about Cicero, watch them and sort of contrast that with what you know about Cicero. So what you may notice here is this: this is not this is not a uh, episode where we just directly give you uh, narratives or this is this is Caesar the episode. This episode is an outline. We're going to be talking about Caesar a lot. We've got a, we've got a couple of episodes uh, coming. Uh, and, and we'll be talking about him literally constantly. And th- I get there's lots of common questions I get and, and about Caesar. Uh, hopefully, we want to get these. This is sort of the outline in terms of like uh, the future episodes. You want to start here, and we'll just start building from there in terms of like uh, well, who is this guy? Because it, it, it's not going to be it's not going to be just one story. We're we're, we're going to build it out. We start with a good foundation. Uh, one of those foundations. What's he look like? Uh, and to be honest, I think some of these, 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 these things that we've seen on the internet, like, this is what Caesar looked like. I, uh, they, uh, there's a lot of people in the academy that don't like Caesar. And I think you can tell by how they choose the, their rendition. There's one of them where he's got the, uh, the Steven Crowder face. Have you seen that? Yeah. yeah. He's got tiny little eyes, tiny little nose stuck on this big ass head. That's not, if you want to know what Caesar looks like, he looks like the, the creepy porn lawyer. <laughs> uh, uh, my, uh, what was the guy's name? Zavanetti or something like that? I, I can't remember. I, Michael I, I, Spaghetti, you know, some Italian. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> 
if you if you look at the statues of the time and you composite them and, and what people said, that's that's what he looked like. He looked uh, Michael Avenetti. I think is his name. I, I can't remember. If you Google creepy porn lawyer, see him. That's that's what these <laughs> look like. That's, uh, and uh, the people who believe in physiognomy are going to be uh, saddened by that. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> It, it, it it's it's a great way. I mean, to be honest, it's a great way. So I, I'm like, uh, uh, that sucks. Like you, you look just like Caesar, and you're just like this cheesy like anti-Trump guy. Like, like dog, you could you could be you could be uh, you know running the world right now. Uh, that's that's what Caesar looked like. Um, he's he was married a couple times. Uh, did he? he uh, he's known as being a, a real Romeo, but. Uh, uh, didn't leave much in the way of kids. Of course, um, uh, one of them was killed. Uh, another one died, uh, childbirth. So, uh, uh, okay. On to sources. Uh, I get this a lot, uh, and for good reason. Um, there's, you know, uh, uh, guest we had thought and, uh, she used to, troll me for you because i mean do you remember i would wake up in the morning and just rate and just and just rage out about i'd be like cicero is a son of a bitch can you believe yeah. this and this and this when i'm like a young man in my 20s or something i was just upset i mean i'm still obsessed with it but uh it, it, there's Caesar. yeah there's just un, unlimited amounts written about these people and, and one uh, this this is an important topic, but uh, there's unlimited amounts written about this. Not um, uh, not all of it is 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 uh as uh done in what we would call good faith or whatever. Uh, the the primary sources that you need um is Caesar. Yeah, we ha- use commentaries. They're amazing. Yeah, we we have we have a lot of what he's written. We don't have everything. Uh, there's one one that I really wish we had is uh, one of the char- other the the sort of junior to Cicero is Cato of the modern day Cato Institute. Same guy. Uh, I wouldn't say no. I would, I can get that backwards. Cato was a bigger figure than Cicero. He had family. He, the thing about Cato too, we're not. I, I know we can't go. We can't. Cato like he has a despicable political philosophy. But he did have like more integrity than mo- than a lot of people, so that's kind of I can kind of understand why they they jack off over Cato, right? Yeah, he, got, he literally killed himself rather than than surrender. Yeah, I, I've got a lot to say about that. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about him. When we talk about the Civil War. Cato would be, I mean, so this is not an exactly one to one, but you get a lot of shit that's written by like uh, people who are like. You ever you ever read like resistance uh, uh, lib boomers be like um, uh, uh, you know Mitt Romney is a real principled guy yeah you know, he didn't go down with his Trump administration you get that feeling um, because all mm. the you get I get that sort of feeling with Cato I don't agree I don't like Cato but I, I that, that I think that's sh- that's selling him short he okay. reminds me of kind of like the 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 old like uh, um, uh, New England. Brahmin sort of guys like uh, I can see that. Yeah, it's just, I mean he it, it, he was a substantive guy. He wasn't a military hero like Caesar, but he wasn't a pussy. Uh, rather than he's a guy who killed himself rather than like surrender to Caesar, not in a way like t- he was going to torture him. But Caesar was going to like forgive him and, and publicly you know say he's a nice guy and came like fuck that I'd rather die and cut his guts out. 
Yeah. Whatever, whoever you are, you got to respect that. Okay. Well, I don't respect that he ran away and died with a bunch of uh, investment bankers in North Africa. But <laughs> that's that's where I get the resistance members. So uh, Caesar's, uh, Caesar's diaries are there. You need to read them. We're going to talk about how to read them later. But uh, uh, Rex Warner translation, uh, if you um, – uh, we'll talk about reasons why, but uh, I, Rex Warner translation. Uh, Plutarch is number two. Plutarch is fantastic. Plutarch is is wonderful. Is a wonderful writer. Uh, he's Plutarch is sort of like um, he's an upper class guy. He's upper class. Mid, mid, he, so he's not at the same time as him. But but what how? But he's not that. He's Plutarch is is like an upper class Mediterranean guy like. 300 years after, after these events, 300, 400 years after. So he's, he's got it's like not that late, but yeah. Uh, and he'll let you know that, that, that like, Oh, you know, my great, great grandfather, he, he was, um, uh, uh, he, he was here or there at that time. But so Plutarch is really good. And Plutarch is, um, uh, it's not. It's not like history in the modern sense, where where Plutarch is like, well, this is the evidence I have for that. Plutarch is like a commentator. He's 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 talking about stuff. Yeah, Plutarch was born in forty six A.D. So you know that's a hundred years after Caesar. Yeah, I'm, I remember. Uh, yeah, he he would throw in little. He would throw in little stuff. Like he remember he said like when his his, his great uncle was uh, worked in the kitchen for uh, for Anthony. He's like, yeah, he that son of a bitch. He would, uh, anyways. Uh, he was sort of, <laughs> uh, he, he he wasn't there, but uh, he's he's in the the cast of people to to be commenting on it. Like, uh, you wouldn't read what you know. This is two thousand years ahead. You wouldn't you wouldn't read what uh, what Jay Z had to say about Grover Cleveland, but you would read what Barack well, Obama Plutarch, had to say about. Plutarch Grover. wrote a book that was like the just a a compilation of these. Not full biographies, but kind of of like these like the greatest people in history, and it's a it, it's. I, you should check that out if nothing else. What's lives or whatever it's called, it's a that that by itself is a good read. Yeah, oh, it's it's wonderful. Uh, and they, they sort of he sort of combos a Greek and a Roman together, and he combos it with Alexander. Where that sort of shows you. Uh, uh, by the way, Plutarch thinks that that Caesar should have uh, died before he before he could. Do he did, but uh, uh, Alexander Alexander is the is the the other great figure is the uh, the great figure of Greece. So that shows you uh, how high he thinks of him. Um, Plutarch is is awesome. Plutarch uh, his day job one of his day jobs is 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 um, uh, if I remember right he did he was one of these uh, these things like uh, what do you call augury and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The 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 Oracle of Delphi was still around, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, one of his day jobs. Yeah. Okay. So he was born close to Delphi, and one of his day jobs. This is one of these bog beef hot takes. This is maybe something you could think about. Is that, um, uh, uh, yeah, he died at, at Delphi. Uh, I believe that the Oracle of Delphi was basically like ancient Google. And that, like, when you you'd pay a bunch of money and you had this ceremony where, like, some drunk chick would like would like bring out the scroll and and they would burn all this fire. But like, what the Oracle at Delphi was doing was they had like a they had like a staff of smart guys on the payroll, and they would sort of come up with answers to these difficult questions. And Plutarch was one of those guys. 
So Plutarch is kind of like an academic guy, and I. You know, <laughs> it's the brain trust. <laughs> yeah, that is a hot take. Yeah, and he would have, and so someone like that that had a job like that would have been essentially like an atheist back then. He's like he knows how the sausage is made. I don't know if he was the one that said. One of them said that, like, essentially they everybody knew it was bullshit. All agrees. And just to, for the record, you know what the alternative take about Delphi, Delphi was is that it was like a a, natu- a fissure that had natural gas coming out of it. People would go down in there and get and get zonked out of their mind on the on natural gas and just spout nonsense. That's the that's the uh, that's the other take on what Delphi was. It's so much like oh man, that'd be a good episode to talk about. It. Like it's <laughs> modern Google because like you would get answers to any question, like you know, like. You read about the most popular Google questions. It's like, um, how do I know if I'm pregnant and stuff like that? Um, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a sad, Jesus. Like one of those, these popular questions are like, I'm a Sagittarius. When will I find a husband and stuff? <laughs> That's exactly the kind of things you would ask the Oracle at Delphi. Um, <laughs> And, and they would include uh, and like you would get your answer, but like the, the when you go to the ceremony, you get your answer. Like the 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 main the main sort of show would be like a, a hot naked chick on drugs. So it's basically like the internet. So uh, another 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 like not quite primary source of some because it was someone who lived well after Caesar too. Uh, Suetonius wrote a biography for him, but I, I don't. I don't like him as much as Plutarch because, like, Plutarch doesn't like Caesar, but Suetonius really seems to not like Caesar. And there's a part in his his uh, history of of the assassination where he says that like that the the public was also turning against Caesar, which is like demonstrably not true, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the people who killed him had to had to fucking run away from the city. He, he he takes the the anti Caesar rhetoric a little bit too far. You know, it, it, this is one of these things. So, like the people who write history, the people who write books, uh, especially the closer you get to Caesar, uh, so Caesar sort of destroyed, or or well, he we'll just we're not gonna get into that. But Caesar destroyed a class order, and a lot of these people feel like if he hadn't have done that, that they would be living a different life. And that weighs on them, and that would weigh on anyone. There are things that I yeah, that I, see I would put it this way: uh, that Caesar didn't destroy the class order. He he, in from their point of view, forced the optimates to destroy their own class order, and oh. that's what they're really mad about. Oh, he didn't do it; they did it, but they blame him for it. Yeah, it, um, you know, like. Um, uh, everyone knows that, like the uh, the the big book about the the fall, the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Um, uh, to cut the chase, the the biggest villain in that book is is uh, a later on emperor that that uh, gives everybody citizenship. So it, it, uh, someone who sort of uh, directly changes the class structure. This is one of these. Um, this affects everyone. So like, if I've got three hundred dollars in my bank account and I see some re- resistance lib post some bullshit on Twitter. Like I'm not gonna be able to give you like a, a a a a like a good response that's sort of well thought out because uh, my 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 class interests are, are fucking with me and they make it so all I can do is post cope and rage and that's what you get and see Plutarch basically has he's got like the early version of a of a tenure 
He's got this cushy job at Delphi. And so the existence of Caesar doesn't like, so he understands. He says, oh, yeah, you know, it's too bad he didn't die there. But it doesn't, it doesn't bother him in a way that he can't, that he can't sort of comment on it in, in, with, in, with good grace. That's, that's, you see that a lot. Yeah, the Michael Parenti's book, The Assassination of Julius Caesar. It's, it's a good book. We, we've already. Hey, if you want to, if you want to think about Caesar, uh, I'll give you kind of an unorthodox recommendation. Don't don't go look look through, uh, through Academy books. Uh, go to Shakespeare. Shakespeare has several has a few different plays that relate to Caesar. Uh, the most one of the like the famous speech that Mark Anthony gave at his funeral. We don't know we don't know what Mark Anthony said. It did that didn't survive, but it was apparently it was an amazing speech because people went buck wild over it. The Shakespeare version. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you you speak English, you heard you've heard this parody at the very least. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Uh, the if you want to be uncultured like me. Watch the uh, watch the Marlon Brando movie from the from the fifties where he plays Mark Anthony. It's great. Uh, I I cannot watch it, but a lot of people recommend the HBO's uh, Rome show. It's a good show. Yeah, uh, I have this thing where like I have this really strong image of how everything went. Like uh, you know, like uh, people say, like when a director is making a movie, they they like you're seeing when they do the the glamour shot, they hold their fingers in a box and they're sort yeah, of yeah, the altour. You're you're an altour when it, you're an autistic altour when it comes to Caesar. Yeah, and it's so good. I did watch the clip where the Romans fought the 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 Gallic barbarians, and it was it was really good. And I was like, oh man, this is gonna fuck up my 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 mental image of it. Um, that that scene was really good, uh, and sort of ex- explained that that the basic technology of Rome. It, it's a good show. It's the best. It's the best prestige show ever. I want like the it's the best HBO show. I know people are going to some people have strong opinions about that comment, but it is. And the 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 only the only caveat with that like their historical treatment of it is like that they're trying to make every character have something right. Mm-hmm. So they they want you to they want you to understand Brutus and Cassius. They want you to understand Caesar, Pompey, Cicero, right? So they treat like to for for, for, for how you and I see things. They treat Cato and Cicero and uh, Cassius and Brutus like they make them uh, they make them seem a little bit nicer than I would prefer. I heard, I heard they really got Anthony well. Um, yes, because. Uh, is a side thing. So Anthony is a is a is a big jacked jock. Uh, that's very loyal. I heard heard they really nailed that. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's man. The guy who plays him just chews up the scenery in the show. It's 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 a good it's a good show. I I, I definitely recommend that. It is better than Deadwood. It is way better than fucking Game of Thrones bullshit. The earth, the plot at the beginning of the Rome show, uh, there was this plot where they stole the uh, uh, the eagle. Yeah, they stole an eagle, and they used this. They used this like uh, thing that, that that they totally made up to serve painting a picture. Academic articles that used to rage me out, piss me off so much back in uh, uh, even still. 
you'll see uh, all of these academic articles that, uh, and they never do this for Cicero, but they they post all these trolly stuff. How do we know this is true? And uh, I'll leave the little <laughs> anecdote here of uh, so th- a good. I'm going to tell you about how to read ancient history. What 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 is. Because uh, people be like, well, what do we? Is this true? How do we know this is true? And this is one of the reasons why we sort of like slowly get into this because it, it it's not like that. The best example I can think of, because you got to think like a, a, a like a Roman historian. This is, and I've done this on our show. You know, you've been posting the clips to YouTube. I had one of them on. I thought about it. one of the times I did this. So on the, uh, I brought this up during the the logo episodes that we were telling a story about a about a. Uh, there was in the story there was a there was a uh, a, a, a rowing team a, a rowing team was in the story, but part of the, the the point of the story like the crux of the story was that these rowing team guys were like super jacked in great shape. These guys looked like a line of like uh, Abercrombie models or something, right? <laughs> but that story doesn't make sense if you went to 99% of colleges in America where the rowing team is drinking club. You know, law schools, the rowing team, that's the Mac Daddy. That, that is where the big shots go. I changed the story to being the swim team because if you went to New Mexico State, the swim team probably looks like Abercrombie models, right? So if I had told that accurately, then then I wouldn't really give you the point of it. If I gave you the exact truth of yes. it, yes, I missed the point. Now, here's the best example. There's a story that comes up a lot, and they post lots of trolly uh, – professors post lots of trolly shit about this constantly. Caesar is is on his way, and he comes – it doesn't matter where. He comes in this village, and there's a statue of Alexander the Great. He walks up to the – and he goes up to the Alexander the Great statue, and Caesar is conquering Europe at this time. He's taken, like, half of Europe already. He goes to the statue, and everyone's looking around, and he walks to the statue, and he falls to his knees, and he starts crying and they say what's wrong caesar and he says well i'm just i'm worthless i'm 35 or 45 whatever and i've only conquered like a third of europe and at that time alexander had done much more these pinheads say things like oh you know that's unlikely to actually happen you know that's 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 probably not true what's that where what village was it was there really a statue there it's made up but it's more true than the it's a lie but it's more true than if you told the actual reality Exactly. What that story does is that story condenses a lot of really true things into a thing that didn't happen. It tells you so many things that your brain doesn't. This is like a movie, like, you know, the movie, Ma- I, I never knew all this shit. You watch that Red Letter Media? They sort of teach you, like, how, like, movies work. Movies do stuff that's not just the direct words that the people say. You learn stuff that you didn't think you were learning. It's like the it's like the iceberg. You only see a little part of it on the surface. Yeah. And there's many, many, many examples of it. And you should always think about this. You're reading all this, this ancient history stuff. Is that one thing that you learn is that, wait a minute, this guy like falls on his knees weeping crying over like not having enough status well he's got a lot of status he's got a lot of accomplishments yeah he did and then second off uh alexander wasn't that like a long time that's a greek guy it's a long time did he know about alexander was that was that an important story to him yes yes um so all these people like him uh you know like ron paul carries around a copy of the uh of the <laughs> constitution yet yeah so at that time uh everyone carried around these great stories of Alexander. Alexander was the gold standard. You want to be like Alexander. Alexander, that is the heights of what you could become. He sets the example for excellence. You know, Alexander is this man of war, conquering all this stuff, and also, you know, 
philosophy and things like that. And, and you learn all that through this story that's, that's not true. Well, yeah. And the original example, you know, the, the, the first, like you said, the first episode of this TV show about Rome, it's not important, but it's about, you know, the, about an eagle, which is like, that was essentially their flag. You have a golden eagle that was carried on a, on a, on a stick. And that was their version of the flag, right? It, but it was, it, it had even more, it was even deeper meaning than the flag. It was the symbol of the army. It was a symbol of Rome. If it's time so to he, have lunch, they would pick up the, the, that's the stick. Oh, that's our stick. Go, we need to all go up over there. Yeah. And, and the, what I liked about the, that scene in the show was they, you know, the, the eagle, like the eagle was important to people in a way that, that wouldn't necessarily make sense to somebody today. However, that's not a, that's not a function of how long ago it happened because someone in in 1860 would have completely understood the point of the eagle because you had st- you had so many stories from the American Civil War of people who you know they would pick up the the some, the, the guy the color bearer would get shot and they would grab the flag throw down their gun and grab the flag and pick it up and then you know get shot there would be battles where a couple people would die holding the flag and that was really fucking important it, it might not be important to people at this stage in the historical cycle, but it, it's something that it, 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 it is, it was an important thing. And you, to understand anyone who lived in that time, you kind of have to train your brain to think about this. Like how things like how something like, you know, a, a symbol of, of the Republic could be so important that people up, uh, people, were upset that there were, there were eagles that were lost in Roman history that they obsessed about for like hundreds of years. Like, what happened to the eagle? I want to get this back. They would negotiate and uh, and, and search down for these, these like lost artifacts. And, and, and you know, it's like you said to, to if you to understand these people to understand ancient history, you have to be able to understand why things like that matter. Yeah, and the reason why you have to, the reason why you have these little stories like that, like that you have that narrative in the show, is that like if they had, like if if they had like twelve hours to explain everything about how the eagle works, they could explain it to you in like autistic detail, like why that is. Uh, I mean, like like I like you know the the um it, it's 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 complicated like if you start at zero but like so like uh these flags and the eagle and stuff that's the, like uh that's how you coordinate an army that's like the brain of the army so like if the if the eagle starts going backwards that means the army's going backwards that army unit so that army unit is that eagle it's like an externalized brain blah blah, blah of this this whole unit in other words like there's all this shit behind this that's that like like the like it's not, this is not just bullshit. You could understand these reasons why. Um, you like, don't need to, you don't need to understand why. Here, here's a, a, a it's there. Quick story it's it's about not the, just fairy tale stuff, is what I'm saying. If you have infinite time, it, it's not bullshit. There's a story when Caesar's invading Britain, I think, where uh, they're on a boat and he wants people to get off the boat and they won't do it. They don't want to get off the boat. They're scared because they have no idea. They might be landing on the moon as far as they're concerned. Uh, either Caesar himself or one of his loyal guys grabs the eagle and jumps off the boat and says, well, are you coming, pussies? I got the eagle. Are you going to sit on the boat and let like these blue-painted savages kill me and take your take your flag? And they got off the fucking boat. Yeah. But, what, what, yeah, but, but I mean, I'm making an assertion here is that I think I could take like any modern atheist and you could, you could understand if I had infinite time, you can understand like, like, I don't want them to see that as like like a magic thing. 
like, oh, well, they just believe in magic mm-hmm. at the thing. Because, like, there are, like, there are, like, functional reasons that make it valuable that are built up over time. And you get uh, – it, it's not bullshit. It's real. No, but if you vivisect it like that, then you you, you kill part of it. So you should yes. yeah, just treat it like magic. Like, uh, mm. the, the – you, you, you – sh- if, if there's one thing people can learn, and this is why materialism is garbage – uh, is that it, once you once you anytime you inspect something deeply like this, you're you're destroying a little bit of it. So no, just just do treat it like magic. Not magic is in like fucking Lord of the Rings, but magic is in like the the uh, human relations. You don't need to go deeper. You don't need to understand. You don't need to understand the details. Just treat it like this is something that people is important to people and they'll die for. And and if you if you don't understand why that's important, then just take a look at the time we live in now when people are losing faith in in all, all symbols and there's an outcome from that. Yes. Right, right. Things get bad in a way that you can't really that you can't easily explain to them in materialist terms because it, materialism is not is not philosophy that works uh in bad times. Somewhere deep down, people understand this relates to their life, their family, their well-being. It's it's related. It's not it's not just magic where you would where uh, there there is there is a point to it. And, and I understand that that is it's demeaning to talk about that. But we're talking in 2020, and I'm trying to. And uh, I, I do 2021, want 2021, bro. Sorry, 2021. <laughs> 2020, 2020 was uh, we need a mulligan on that. Okay, so this was we we're doing a, we did a very broad outline tonight. Uh, next time we want to talk to you about the Civil War, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about the philosophy of mercy. Yeah, that that it's going to be dope, and I. Uh, this this episode, it's a it's a prelude, and there's no way there's no other way around game. it. Uh, I think Merrick was like said like, well, you know, is this really an episode? Like, why why not cut straight to like like actual content, real stories? And, and uh, I do I do think this is this is important. And, and anytime you do, anytime I do talk about Rome, I get these these questions like, well, what are, what should I read? Where should I start? And and this. This is this is like planting the seeds. There's too much. I can't. We can't eat an elephant in one setting. This is why I just wanted to start dropping these characters. Dropping this is this is how you read, and uh, just for you to understand sort of where I uh, like. How, how did how did I get into this? What I would do, and maybe this this is a good suggestion for others that if you if this is like if this is not if you don't care about this then then uh, then then. Dig into something else. Um, so what a lot of people do, I, I hear a great, who's the guy that did the war series? Gwen Dyer. Gwen Dyer. He had a great, he said like, basically you should do two things when you look at history stuff. You should, you should have like one mode that is like, this is like broad history, the facts, the dates. Um, uh, this happened then, uh, that was the, you know, that was the, the, the bronze age period, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you should have a good understanding of that and you kind of need that. But then on the other hand, you should just like go all in on small periods and then, and then like 
you know, like in ter- like so you don't think about politics and stuff when you think about like the Bronze Age. But but when you if you're someone who's like I'm obsessed with with ancient uh, China or something, you should be like, oh well, you know that guy was kind of a proto Marxist. Blah blah. That's 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 how you do it. And what I did is that I would I had these sources I gave you and I would read them and I would go wait a minute I don't get like how did they where did they get the water. And then I would alternate back and forth between these 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 narratives, these stories, to like straight up like academic sources. Like I, I went I went and found like a like academic textbooks like ancient Rome, uh, you know uh, the one hundred one at Yale. I would go find that and I would start painting a picture and painting a picture and then. I, I, I could then I could slowly it slowly started coming into focus. That's what we did here. So you know time period. You know we don't you don't know much about them, but you know there's these characters that you should look out for the Sella, the Marius, the Pompey, the Crassus. You're gonna because there's there's so many people that are gonna jump around. And these but these are the, the these these are the the key characters. And we're gonna talk about all uh, more about this stuff. Uh I, I think we're gonna do a, a couple episodes in a row here. Just uh, this is uh, this is a real treat for us. This is love Rome, and uh, like you said, we'll we'll be back with uh, the philosophy of mercy. Making their way to all- 